0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another week of the Forest Brothers podcast. It is me, your boy, your mandem, Mutsa, Chris Dharma Kufa back in the cut. As always. It is another fruitful week. Another week we celebrate life, but we are here. Joined once again by my two brothers, Ngome Zulu and Samson Pinguini. As always, you know, let's let's hear from the brothers. Let them say hello to the lovely listeners. Uh this week, let me start with the old Pinguini. He's licking his lips because he's got some sangria there. <laughs>
1: Mutsu's just out here dry snitching for no reason. Um, hello viewer, I mean listener, how's it going? Um, great to be on the pod and uh, yeah, can't wait to uh, get started. You know, even though we've, I'm out here with Mutsu's snitching ass. <laughs> hey, it's not
0: snitching. St. is good for the body and the soul. It's all fruit at the end of the day. <gasps> Mr. Mongoro, what about you, sir? I see maybe he's drinking a cup of water. He doesn't do such items. But Mr. Mongoro, how about you say hello to the family?
2: Oh, no, no problem, Mr. Mutsa. Uh, I'd like to say hello to you, Mr. Mutsa. Hello to Mr. Masanga. And hello to our beautiful audience out there. And of course, uh, drinking water is always because H2O is the beverage for the real people.
0: As they say, H2O is the way to go. So, brothers, this week, we know we had a... It was a bit of a, a short week in terms of our games. You know, we had eight teams play this time around. And... One of the more exciting games was the Leeds versus Wolves game. Uh, we saw a red card there. The mandem Jimenez was going through something, of course. rash, rash tackle. Didn't need to do that. I think he's the reason why Wolves even lost that game. No need for such. And, you know, it proved to be a good, a good match for the boys. Ailing came through. Uh, for some reason, I'm an avid Ailing supporter, as I've said before. Ailing needs to go to a better team. You know, he might end up at Tottenham or he might end up at Arsenal. Who knows? But the random Ailing has got some talent that needs to be appreciated a bit more. Uh, but we also have to talk about the coaching. Jesse Marsh came in and I was a bit skeptical in the beginning, not to, you know, to be honest, but so far I've been impressed. So Mangoro, I have to ask you, what do you make of that Leeds game and what are your hopes? Do you think Jesse Marsh has done enough to... You know, gain a cult supporting, gain a cult following at Leeds? Is he doing the right things? What does he need to do more of? Uh, do you see him saving leads and keeping up in the Premier League? What are your um, first impressions of Jesse as the head coach that eats?
2: You know, Jesse is the kind of coach who's emphasizing something pretty much along the lines of what the players were familiar with, but just tweaking it here and there to get the best out of the crop of talent he has currently because you look at it, players such as, I don't know why we keep on mentioning him, but Luke Ayling, apparently now he's doing well. Um, I'm not a firm believer that he's doing well. I think he's just very lucky. The past couple of weeks. Uh, you look at a player such as the boy that they brought on this past week and Sam Greenwood, he's done well. The boy. Uh uh Gerhardt has been doing well. And I think with them, uh with Jesse Marsh keeping them in the Premier League, it's not necessarily about him performing to a point where we're like he's actually killing it this season. Like he's doing pretty well. I think it's just the just the opposition of teams below him. Like you look at Everton. The dire states they're in, Bob Burndy, our friends there, uh, 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 Norwich and Watford, they're just not good enough. He looks like he's doing well because the people below him are just doing whatever they want. And I think that's pretty much affecting everything. But with with them this past week when they played uh, Wolves, it was a very chaotic game. And I think maybe that's the kind of game that Leeds are just going to continue playing now because even if you look at Jesse Marsh on the bench, you you could have sworn he was at the Champions League final the way he was celebrating the things they were doing. Like, it looked it looked crazy. Like, 2-0 down, the top striker Patrick Bamford got, gets taken on the 23rd minute. And you still come back away from home at the Molyneux in a derby and you win it. That was actually quite impressive from Jesse. I think, I think some of the like the principles of the game and style of play, he's starting to enforce it on the training ground because you know they have like a whole week to prepare ahead of a game instead of like if they were playing in Europe or some of the cup competitions that have a midweek game. So I think he's getting the time now on the training ground and players are actually Quite adapts to what he's bringing to the table, and I think, and I think it's a breath of fresh air. Maybe, maybe next year you can go and coach our friends there at Old Trafford. Uh, they don't have a manager there as, as currently, and I think he comes from the Red Bull family. And I think the boy uh, uh, over there at Old Trafford pretty much knows him. Uh, our boy R- Ralph Ranick.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, just 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 a quick touch on one of the things you said there. We mentioned Patrick Bamford and. He's recently coming back from injury. He's been out for pretty much the whole season, and of course, he picked up another injury in that game against Wolves. And so, I have to ask, what does that do as a former player yourself, Mangoro? what What does that do to a player to come back from injury and then you're playing, you know, a game and your team needs you, and then you suffer another injury? Like, what is that? What does a player go through in those instances, and what do they need to do to make sure that they don't? You know, self. I don't know what. What do they need to do to make sure they don't fall into a rut or become or fall into the wayside? Like, what does Bamford need to do at this point, or how is he feeling? Um, can you can
2: you shed a little light on that? Sounds good. But I'll just start by saying I'm a current player. I haven't officially retired. I'm still out there playing. Uh, just that I'm currently busy with other stuff. Uh, just just to pour, just to put it out there. But honestly, like uh, mentally, it kills you as a player because. You think about the dread that you go through when you pick up that injury and you think about the time that you'll be away from the field and all the physio and all the stuff that you need to do to get back to full fitness, like the individual training. And that's that's really grueling and time consuming on you and your body and your mental health. So I think that really does affect you. And then when you get back on the field and you get another setback, that even takes you to even a... A darker place like it's really hard for you to motivate yourself to come back and be able to pretty much perform at the at the same levels like you look at a player such as Aiden Azar like after he left Chelsea and he picked up those injuries at Real he was never the same like to this those days not the same because it just weighs on you heavily or like on your shoulders because it's just injury after injury and like at that point you don't trust your body like because you never know, like, what what could go wrong. Like, you can be at your house, not even on a soccer field. You could be at your house, like, and then you're just there sleeping and then uh, you roll over the bed badly and you have an injury and you're out for a couple of weeks. So I think I think it does play into, like, the psychological aspect and, like, a player because now the injury, you feel like the injuries are defeating you and you really can't do anything. But all in all, like, I think for him, it's just... Get his head down, train, work on everything, and I think he'll be fine.
0: No, 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 that sounds good. And, and just touching on the mental health of players, actually, at, at United, we saw that Jesse Lingard went through some things there when he was still at Manchester United. We looked at Bamford, he looked like he was in tears, you know, when he got injured. And that's obviously a very hard thing to take. So, Penguini, I have to, I just want to ask you as well, like, how important do you think it is for soccer clubs and teams to have mental health professionals? you know, available to players, for instances like this, where, you know, it's you know, playing professional football is a a grueling sport and it takes a lot out of you mentally and physically. So I don't know, what what's your opinion on like do you do you think there's enough support in the mental aspect of these players or, you know, if you get injured and you don't make it up, like you just
1: you just left to the wolves? I think it definitely could be better. Um and this kind of reminds me of Arsene Wenger in a lot of ways because um he was always referred to by the players as such a compassionate manager. And mental health has come a long way, I think, in the sport. You know, especially in all sports, really, uh, but especially in 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 football. And I think these players do have mental health professionals ready to speak with them and you know, counsel them and help them through their their process. And it doesn't even have to be just when they're injured. I think it's just at all times. Because you know the sport of football is you know is difficult. You know you are these guys are young. They are kind of celebrities, and they are expected to perform. You know do uh, you know these insanely athletic things that are you know so difficult to do. You know it, it's you know I, I think we underestimate just how hard it is to get on the on the field, and even the easy things. You know just press. How hard did it as a striker? I know Bamford is a striker. He leads the press every game he plays. That is hard work. Obviously, he's used to it. He can do it, and it's right now. His it's just about his body kind of agreeing with him and him getting it there. But you know, it's tough work, and you you do need someone to kind of help help you through the process. And yeah, I think the times are changing because I do think in the past that job would have. You know, fallen on the coaches and the manager. And that's why um, I mentioned Arsene Wenger. He he was a very uh, involved coach when it came to talking to players and, you know, asking them about what's going on in their lives. And a lot of former players, even um, Edu, our current director of football, credits that relationship he had with Arsene Wenger as one of the reasons why he came back to Arsenal. And Part of why he is the the kind of director of of football he is, you know, and involved with the players, engaged, you know, trying to get into people's lives and figure out what's going on. Um, All that's important. And that's all, you know, stuff that's away from the game that we don't get to see as fans. But as again, it's hugely important because, you know, these guys are people, you know, just the same way you and I are. They are families, you know, they have friends and you know they they have all this uh this other life outside of the game that they have to keep up with and they need to talk about things sometimes and um just you know make sure that everything's okay on all fronts and uh, you know i you know i think we all wish bam for a speedy recovery and uh, hopefully he can get back to doing what he does best out on the field um scoring the goals for Leeds
0: United yeah talking a little bit about how like coaches are very great or well, coaches are very instrumental in how players feel and how players recover and how, you know, just, just the mental aspect. I know Patrick Vieira at Crystal Palace. He, I think he started a program where if you leave the academy or if you leave the, you know, the, the, the coaching, I mean, the, just the football program, whatever it is, I think they give you some time just like an after package where like they kind of take care of you for you to find your feet. And I know a lot of there's like a lot of support for that. And so, I mean, we've heard we've heard cases, right, where like a football player leaves a club or something or can't sign into a club and then they become homeless or whatever it is uh, that that it may be. So is this something that should be a wider push in the footballing world where like clubs offer like a care package when you leave, especially for I think they're doing that, especially for the young the young players. I don't think like the the players who play, you know, in the in the in the first squad need that as much. But it's those academy players that, like, you come in, you're playing since you're 14, and then they drop you when you're, like, 18. And it's, like, you know, sometimes four players don't really, like, school is not the most important thing. It's, like, they, wanna, they really want to play for the first team. And so those, like, so I think Viera is doing that for the young kids or, like, the academy players who don't make it and, like, get left, like, you know, get dropped from the team. But, like, at least have a little something. So, Mangoro, like, how important do you think that is? for academy but for the young kids as well like what patrick vera is doing do you think that's something that should be more institutionalized in
2: the premier league and and across the world oh yes of course actually very important that something like that is created for the players because you look at the sheer talent of players just not even just in the academy that should be like a privilege that you play for an academy like for an epl teams academy i think that's that's a big privilege because you can think about how many people are trying to go into that that academy and play there from like the years of like eight years. You said you mentioned 14. Some of these kids started like seven, eight years. They get drafted into the first team like, and then they develop through the academy. They get win all these trophies uh, in the academy, get to the first team. There's no way the team, you look at your academy team, even if you want all the trophies available and you're an international for like a young age, like there's no way all of you are going to make it into the first team. So like, three or four probably make it and if they work really hard because the club is going to sign players and they'll have competition though like the best youth players that you played alongside and i think those severance packages that you're talking about i think they'll be good for for players all around because these players need something to get onto their feet uh post football because not everyone will make it. It's a very small percentage that makes it, not even just in football, but like in other sports as well, not just, uh, soccer, uh, American football, uh, cricket, uh, hockey, uh, basketball. Like you currently were watching watch madness. You think about how many kids are trying to make it into the NBA and they're trying to do this one and done thing. Not a lot of them will actually make it into the NBA. So I think just focusing on that. And then just encouraging, I think even at their young ages, even if like the, the kids are trying to go through to like play in the first team and become professional players, don't never neglect the power of education. I think if they can, and if they can actually have an education on the side as well, that would be a good backup just in case the soccer thing doesn't work out. Um, I think that would be an actual good thing because now it gives them a platform just in case the soccer thing doesn't work out. And if it does... Even great, they have an education on top of that. They they're well rounded. They know what the world is all about. So I think that could actually help, not just in the UK, but I think I think globally, worldwide. I think that that could even like encourage like these kids' parents to actually encourage them to play soccer because they're doing something they love. At the same time, they're getting an education, and that's what pleases people's parents. Like they they have that basis of like they're getting an education and they're able to play soccer the sport they love what does that give them that gives them the joy and the fulfillment to do to to be able to perform in all aspects because they're doing everything that i think is really important to them at that time
0: no that's that's really important stuff mongoro indeed we do support that and speaking of teams that do need joy and encouragement uh that's a good segue into our team everton and our coach there lampard and you know the the things that they've been going through there, you know, uh, it seems that they're in a bit of a rough patch. And it seems that uh, they are, you know, they just got knocked out of the FA Cup by Crystal Palace. You know, four zero, done and, done and dusted. And in the Premier League, doesn't seem like they're doing quite well either. They just won over Newcastle uh, a week ago or a week or two ago. So you know, there's slight, slight hope, but it's 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 not looking too good for our man, the Lampard, but, um, Penguini, what, what, what do you think needs to happen at Everton? What do you, even like the FA cup game and just like Lampard's demeanor and, you know, as a coach, do you, do you think he has enough in him to really save Everton? Or do you think he might improve his coaching sticks in the championship?
1: The short answer is no. Um, but, uh, you know, we're on the pod. This is, this is the forest brothers podcast. So, uh, let me break it down for you all a little bit. Um, so I think Lampard, the job he needs to do right now, I don't think he's equipped for it. He doesn't have the experience for it because it's a very specific kind of job. You know, avoiding relegation is not like just coaching any other team. You know, it relies on you being, you know, very intentional about what games, you know, about what you're going to do for each game and how you're going to pick up points. Allardyce had this thing where, you know, his his main thing was, okay, we're not going to concede. And, you know, we're going to attack the teams around us, you know, the teams around us on the table very hard. We're going to be very aggressive. And for the teams that are further up, we're just going to keep it tight. We're going to frustrate them. We're going to make sure they can not score for 80 minutes or 70 minutes. And hopefully that creates some, un, you know, a lot of unease and, and enough unease that we can get a goal ourselves or we can just, you know, See the game out for a draw. Lampard doesn't do any of that. You know, he doesn't have any of that kind of, you know, strategy when it comes to games. He has his philosophy, which is, you know, playing possession football, building out from the back, nice interchanges in the midfield, getting players in the half spaces, playing these nice cute balls in behind for, you know, like, like for the strikers. That's, that, that's what he does. And the thing for Everton is they have the talent to play that way. So this wasn't a bad appointment. It's just that in the position they are, they need to be very particular about how they approach games because you know they're gonna look at the schedule and there's some games they're just gonna have to get points from. You know they're gonna have to circle some you know some of those dates and say okay that's three points and that's three points and that's three points. When you play the way Lampard does, or when you play you know again like any 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 philosophy type coach whether it's Pep, Klopp, Lampard. Uh, the guy leads Jesse Marsh. It's not a guarantee that's gonna work, right? The thing about Allardyce and his and Op- Opulis and all these relegation managers. Thing about their systems or their strategies for each game is that it's almost guaranteed to work. Like it's it's almost always gonna work. Like frustrating the opposition is way more reliable than playing your pretty football you know, being tough to beat is a lot easier to do than just, you know, playing circles around the opposition. And that's what Lampard's trying to do. So, I'm not very confident he's going to do that. I think this team can, but you need confidence to play like that. You need continuity. You need months and months of training. You need luck a little bit, you know. Luckily, last time they played in the Premier League, they beat Newcastle. That was good, you know. 1-0, 90th minute. That was actually a very 20-plus result when I think about it, 1-0 in the 90th. But you need more results like that. And I'm just not sure this is the guy who's going to get those results he's not like he's going into every game trying to stop teams right he's trying to go into each game trying to play his way trying to do his thing and that when you're Everton and you have these guys you have that shaky defense you have it will be who's hit and miss you have Calvert-Lewin who's come back from injury he hasn't played a lot of games I just don't have the confidence in you that you're gonna you're gonna get it done you know it's just it doesn't look good so yeah I I think they're going to rely more on teams around them not picking up points than themselves picking up points. I think that's what's going to settle at the end of the day.
0: No, yeah, no, that that honestly makes a lot of sense. I mean, maybe the thing that might save them is the fact that they are, I think, three points. Well, they have three games in hand as compared. Well, two games, actually. They've played two games less than Watford, two games less than Norwich, and three games played less than Leeds. So if they win those, you know, then they'll be fine but given some of his comments he made after that Crystal City bashing uh, Mongora, what did you think about Lampard's comments there about some of those goals that went in and just his comments as a coach? Was that too far? Was that understandable? You know, what what, what do you take of those, those comments
2: he was making? I think those comments were justified because I've watched Everton since he took over and some of the defending that they've displayed in the past couple of games has been atrocious. Like... I remember I watched them get batted 5-0 by Spurs. And I don't even think Spurs got out of third gear, like, in that game. But they scored five goals. It could have been more. Like, it could have been eight. And no, if it was eight or nine, no one would have said anything. Like, that's how they were defending. Like, the defending that day was pretty much poor. And this past weekend, I think it was just a statement to the players, firstly. To be like, yo, we need to either pick up because we're in a rotation battle. Or it is a message to people upstairs, uh, Fahad Mushiri and Bill write that I need proper defenders. I have England's number one here looking like uh, a Norwich's keeper because the people in front of him have no protection. Uh, Seamus Coleman has been a great servant for the club, but in all honesty, I think they need to move on from him. There's a boy, Jojo, John Joe Kenny. I think he can try and be a good replacement. Michael Keane... He's been hit or miss this season. He's, he's half the time he's in his own world defending some type of way. Uh, uh, the boy Ben Godfrey has been doing well. Like, he's just one player. I actually could say that Everton have a defender there. It's just that he's always played out of position. But in actual fact, that's a player who can actually defend. Uh, my, Mason Holgate is a right back. They play him at center back. I don't think he's uh, Premier League level. I think he should go to a team like Norwich or Watford. I don't think he's good enough. I understand with the boy Vitali Mikalenko that he's going through everything right now with his family in Ukraine and everything like that. It's very hard for him to play, and that's quite understandable for, for him. So I think those kind of players around there, that Everton team right now, I think it is justifiable that Lampard goes off on them to either raise their standard or just let the club owners know that they're not good enough because you look at their front line. Like the attack is actually quite decent. Must not have been looking at Calvert Lewin, even though he's been injured this season. That's a that, that's a, at least a, a good player they have there. Uh, the boy uh, Anthony Gordon has really come on this season. So there is some something happening uh, up front with some of the players they have there. Uh, Ducore, one of the I think very underrated player, but box to box high-quality player. Alaa on his day, can be quite a decent defensive mid, just shielding and screening the back four, covering distance across the, and protecting the back four. So I think there, there is like a good core of players. It's just about them raising their level to be able to survive the Premier League this season, as Samson said. Like, it's just about, now they need to just go to the fixtures list and just target games and be like, we'll try and win these. These ones will try and sneak a draw out of them. I think that's the only way they can go apart. And then next season, they can regroup and then take it from there. Because if they continue at this rate, they might be, even be hit 5-0 by Watford if they still have to play them.
0: So if if by the chance that Everton drop out of the Premier League, do you think they'll be willing to keep Lampard on as their coach in the championship? Or do you think Lampard will be willing to stay at Everton in the championship and coach them and try to coach them back into the Prem?
2: You know... It's a big project that Everton, like they're working on their stadium redevelopment right now. Goodison Park, I don't know if they're going to move to a different stadium or they're going to revamp it. From what I understand, they move, they're pretty much working on new plans for a new stadium. So I think they want to go into that new stadium with some sort of stability around the coaching side. So I think if they were to go down, for example, I think Lampard would stay with them and then he'd try and get them straight back up because I think they have more than enough quality to come out of the championship. And also like, you know, I don't know why we keep on, I think this might be the year where teams in the bottom three go down uh, based on like the lowest number of points, like those teams in the bottom three, you don't know where their points are coming from. You don't know that. I think that's what's going to give the teams above them Leeds, Newcastle, Everton that comfort of the people behind us are actually quite horrible. And I think that's how we'll survive all in all. Because honestly, like if those people behind them had some confidence, I think more Everton would be all right. But honestly, I think, I think Lampard just needs to go get on the training ground. Now it's international break. We'll have some time to work with the players and uh, maybe, maybe they'll work on some defensive shape or something and not be too open. Maybe put Michael Keane outside for a bit.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, shifting, shifting gears a little bit and talking about teams that have been picking themselves up from the gutter. I think Barcelona have have done something similar to that you know the man Gerard Piquet was out there saying we are back on Twitter you know after 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 ending Madrid 4-0 this past weekend Penguini did you enjoy that El Clásico? was that was that a proper proper spanking by Barca on, on, on Madrid and what does that mean for our Madrid boys uh, you know they, I'm sure they, have, they were flying high after their win in the Champions League over PSG and did you see this spanking coming I don't think
1: anyone saw this spanking coming. Not Javi, not Xavi's mother, not Messi, like no one. Like you not the staunchest Barca supporter thought this was gonna end with a 4-0 victory for Barcelona. It was shocking. Um in the context of La Liga, I think Real Madrid will still win the league. They have a decent gap on the next team. You know, it's I think they're nine points behind of Sevilla in second, with you know nine games to go in the league. I don't see them dropping too many points after this, you know, even though they just got spanked 4-0. They've been pretty solid all year, actually. Um, their defense has been pretty stable. Um, Alaba has brought a lot of stability onto their backline this year. So this was very much a, a shock for everyone. I don't know what it means moving forward because, as we all know, they faced Chelsea in the Champions League in the quarterfinals. I don't know what it means for that tie. Um, I was confident in Real Madrid moving forward. I thought Chelsea were going to struggle given that Ben Chou is not there. Lukaku hasn't found his feet. You know, you still have some inconsistency in their back line. You have people like Trevor in there one week. They're giving away pens. You bring in people like Christensen, they, they, you know, and they're looking lost. People like Malang Sarr don't really look comfortable. Chelsea doesn't have a three doesn't have three centre backs that they really rely on every game they can count on moving forward for all their games. Real Madrid after this game I I don't know they could play that game and Chelsea could blitz them. We've seen Chelsea blitz teams before and yeah they take advantage of weak of weak defenses. Um, so yeah this result made me worry a lot more for Real's uh, Champions League hopes. I think they'll still win the league, but yeah, just their, their Champions League run is looking a bit sketchy right now. I think, yeah, it's looking more and more likely that Chelsea might knock them out. I Yeah, I think so.
2: You know, also, just looking at the La Liga game this past week, the Classico, you look at that game, that was four going on eight or nine. If Barcel were clinical in the final third, Ferran Torres or Bameyang could have had a hat-trick in 10 minutes that's how many chances they were getting and it was just chance after chance after chance and for some odd reason Madrid just couldn't contain it and it was just very very disappointing to see but exciting as a Chelsea fan to see that this is how they're defending like they brought in Alaba for all that money and he looked like some random defender for Osasuna that's how that's how off the pace he looked I don't know. Maybe it was just the pace that Barca brought that day, and uh, I'd say that Real didn't expect it. But you know, the front three of Barca is pretty quite. It's pretty rapid, so I understand why you don't prepare for it ahead of the game, like just tactical shape, just just in, in like that phase of the play, or phase of play. Because I think there was one ball where uh, Eric Garcia just played it from. His defensive line, like a quarterback. It's like I was watching Tom Brady. He just played it from quarterback, straight to his striker, and they were in. It was like a 2v1, and I was just like, what am I watching here? Is this really Real that just defeated PSG? That just stopped the, the, the most expensive assembled front three in world football? And they're now being dismantled by people like Memphis. Uh Ousmane Dembele was tearing Nacho to shreds on that, on that right-hand side. Like, I don't know what Nacho was doing that day or what he was doing the previous night, but he was not looking the same. Obama Young, the outcast, who was just there in people's kitchens, just ready to score every single chance. Like, if it wasn't for Courtois, if they had their other goalkeepers there, I don't think... I think it would have been a nightmare. I think Ancelotti would be at the job center looking for a job tomorrow or today because that would that was actually quite an embarrassment. I think it was even worse than the the 5-0 the drubbing they got from from Pep a couple of years back.
0: So actually as a Chelsea supporter, we, we, we you know that Champions League game is coming. Do you think Tuchel was watching this taking notes as to how to dismantle Madrid or do you think this is like a one-time fluke? Like, you know, maybe don't feel too comfortable Or did this give some sort of a a little bit of confidence that Madrid are are shakable?
2: Well, it just goes to show that Real are pretty much, uh, they should stop calling them Real Madrid and they just call them a real Benzema because this is Benzema's team. He's the one that pretty much does everything because even in the game against PSG, he was their savior. He was their Jesus in that game. And I think that was what they needed that day. I think they would have maybe lost 4-2 or, or something because Barca's defence was also a bit shaky. Eric Garcia was another disaster. But yeah, like those kind of things, like just, I think they might play into Chelsea's hands, uh, honestly, because I think when you look at Tuchel, he's building, what he's doing right now, second half of the season, it's all about this very, I'd say, aggressive and strong defensive approach and on and play on the counter effectively. So if that Real that turns up, that played against Barca, we, we could see something along the lines of a hammering. Uh, but honestly, you know, it's a game of soccer, man. You can you can never predict it. Maybe you can think you'll win it. But also I was watching a YouTube video, uh, a channel called Football Made Simple. Didn't even take them more than two hours to create a, a video on how Barca defeated Real. I think maybe Tuko will tune into that that week when we played them. Or he'll just be there uh taking notes, uh not focusing on the opposition and focusing on on his team and then trying to defeat them from that perspective. Honestly, Real, they need to they need to be on the training ground working on defense. That was quite appalling.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean we'll we'll have to see. I, I do hope that Real get it together for that Chelsea game because I think I think Chelsea have won enough trophies for the next five years. So if they can be stopped in their tracks for now. I think I think that'll be good for all of us. Uh, so hopefully we all get it together. I believe in Ancelotti. He knows the ins and outs of Chelsea as well. So, you know, I, I, I do hope that that is, is good. But moving on to the next segment here, we do have a few players, oh, a lot of players actually, who are going to be ready for, who are going to be free agents in the summer of 2022. And you we know, want to just have a little discussion here about what we think these high-profile players are going to be the first one on the list, of course, is Mbappe. You know, I think he's had enough at PSG. I'm sure Messi is just there, you know, stifling him up, uh, not not giving him the the space he needs to grow. You know, he can't be there under Messi's shadow forever. He has to be released and fly. So, brothers, in, in, in the case of um, Kylian Mbappe, where do you think? Or I think I think it's most likely to go to Madrid, right? I think that's. What I've been hearing in the grapevine, but is that a done deal? Is Mbappe? You think Mbappe for sure is going to sign to Madrid after in the in the after he's a he's a free agent. Mutsa, if not Madrid, then where?
1: You know, I think that's the question we need to ask ourselves because he's a PSG. He's playing with Neymar, you know, the most skillful Brazilian there ever was and there ever will be. He's playing next to Lionel Messi, quite possibly the greatest football player we will ever see in our lives ever again. If he can't win with those guys, and we've seen he cannot, then uh, you know, the next logical move is Real Madrid, because, you know, if you look at the footballing landscape, Bayern can't afford him. They've said as much. You know, they can't afford Haaland. How the hell are they gonna afford Mbappe? Man City, they want Haaland, right? It's been in the news the last couple of weeks that Haaland has agreed terms with Man City and, you know, it's, it's going to be announced real soon. So they want Holland. Liverpool don't have that kind of money. Uh, you look at Barcelona, they're in debt. You know, we had to give them, Arsenal had to give them Aubameyang for free. That's that's how bad the situation is. And then where else? Where else is he going to go? You know, there's there's like two teams that can afford his wages and he's at one right now. The other is Real Madrid. So yeah, he's leaving and he's going to Real Madrid. There's, uh, there's no other way about it, uh, around it. Newcastle? Newcastle got the money,
0: maybe? If, they, stop if they put in a bid?
1: <laughs> Mutsu stop playing. Right. Maybe,
0: maybe, maybe they'll pay him a milli a week. What if they pay paying him and say, like, Mbappe will give you a milli a week? A milli. The
1: thing is, I think footballers do like money, but they don't like money like that. You know what I mean? Like, especially the good ones. Like, if, if Mbappe kind of sucked, I think you'd have taken the deal. Because, I mean, remember Oscar a few years ago? Uh he was at Chelsea. He was doing great. Um, he ran into a bit of bad form, kind of lost his way a little bit. And then China came calling and he he took it with both hands. They, they, were, they were paying him half a million a week. He took that thing with both hands because he knew he's not Mbappe. <laughs> he knew he's not Messi. He knew, all right? He knew that was his ceiling. That's as good as it gets. Mbappe knows. Uh, and Mbappe, Mbappe's won a World Cup, all right? He is, I think... I I don't know who he's signed to. Is is it Adidas or is it Nike? But I know he's the face of whoever he's signed to. Um, He's the face of FIFA. So he has endorsement deals. Just, you know, people are just lining up to put him on stuff. So he's not worried about money. He's worried about winning things. And if he's not winning things at PSG, the next logical place to go is Real Madrid because he's probably looking at Real Madrid and thinking, hey, they're doing pretty good right now in the Champions League, right? I mean, obviously, they just got beaten 4-0, but they took me down. <laughs> they they beat my guy. You know, they beat me in 45 minutes. What if they had me? You know, that's what he's thinking. What? Like, what? Imagine me over there, plus what they have. So it makes all the sense to me that he goes to Real Madrid. I don't know where else
0: he'd go. I was just thinking, like, in the case that, like, if Newcastle... We're going to move on to the next player, but I was just thinking, like, if Newcastle made three other superstar signings, you know, maybe four the superstar signings and the chin Mbappe, Mbappe will give you a melee. You still that's still not enough? He's still not going. He's <laughs> <It's> not <cool>. going. <laughs> I don't think is not
1: joining a team that still employs Matt Ritchie. He's
0: <laughs> just, just not doing
1: like if you have Sean Longstaff or the Longstaff brothers in training, is not showing yeah. up. Let me put it like that.
0: that makes sense uh and the next player here mongoro you tell us dibala he's also going to be a free agent in the summer in the upcoming summer where do you think the Mandem dibala is going to end up or where do you think he should end up
2: i could see him going to psg you know how psg like these high profile signings um they don't know how they fit into their little puzzle but they just they just want them for some odd reasons like uh nasser Haifi and leonardo they just sit there and they just play any fantasy soccer game and just sign soccer players just for the sake of it and just have a bloated squad because there's no need, there's no reason to sign him so i think i'd see him there uh, at psg uh honestly like there're not a lot of teams out there like that I'd say i need i need over like a player like DePala right now. I think staying at Juventus could be could be something that's good for his career. I don't know. I confirmed that this morning or yesterday that he's on his way out. I don't know why he wanna leave. Like I know they've exited the Champions League, but I saw I saw other awesome players this past weekend against Salernitana, and the combination he had with Vlahovic was pretty promising. So I don't know why he'd wanna leave that. And also they're not that many teams. I think apart from PSG, he doesn't have anywhere to go.
0: What happened in London? Do you think Do you think the named DiBala could, could be the next signing, there? Arsenal pinguini? Um, that
1: is uh, exactly what I think.
0: That is 100% what I
1: think. I think Edu was on his way to the airport this morning when he heard the news. He jumped on the jet, he flew to Turin, and they're talking with DiBala's agent as we speak, trying to iron out the details. But, I mean, that's just me. I don't know what Mongoro thinks.
2: I don't know. I just don't see it, like... You're pushing, you're pushing this notion of these young kids, and then next year you bring in a 29, 30 year old who's going to stagnate the progress of these kids. Since it's worked out so well this year, are just going to abandon the blueprint and just start doing something new next year? Is that what his thing? Or oh, Lacazette is on his way out, and Dubala will be like your false nine or something? Or Martinelli is going to go play up front? Uh, I mean, I think I think that would be the move. I think
1: because there has been talks, you know, I heard rumors of Joe Felix. I don't think that's plausible. Um, But Dibala, in my opinion, would be perfect because we get to keep what we have with what, you know, what, what we have going on with Lacazette right now, except it's at a much higher level because, you know, we forget. Lacazette is really... Uh, a fox in the box you know he's 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 a he's a poacher he gets on there he's used to getting on the end of things and scoring this thing he's doing now it's kind of him trying to figure out the next stage of his career because he's lost a step and this is kind of just what he can do at, the, at this point um and it's not him it's this is not Lacazette's best you know and we all know it so Dybala thrives playing like this you know dropping into space linking up play to me, it's it's the perfect move if you're Arsenal, but I can also see it working out for a few other teams. I, I can see it working out for, like, um, I'd say Liverpool, but then they'd be too stocked in the in, in the front line. I think maybe they should have waited with the Luis Diaz. Leicester?
0: And I can see him at Leicester. Why would he go there? I mean, they are former Premier League champion the title, cup, you know. Why not? Maybe Leicester's going to throw in a bit of money. Do you know you who know? else is a former Premier League champion? Nottingham Forest <laughs> <laughs> Blackburn
1: Rovers actually Nottingham Forest won it back before it the Premier League but Blackburn Rovers are former Premier League champions. he's not trying to grow Blackburn is he so that I'm is in the thing.
0: Premier League right now but I'm just saying you know if Leicester threw money at the mandem and said DiBala come through link up with Vardy link up with Harvey Barnes link up with the mandem Madison you know well so let me ask you what money
1: <laughs> they have money oh they, they, they do
0: Leicester have money don't they
1: like their owners are rich. Let me tell you this, Mutsa, and I can I can guarantee this for you. Um, if Arsenal decided tomorrow that you know what, Vardy's our guy, we're gonna go get Vardy. Or we're gonna go get madison we're gonna sign madison i'm telling you whatever number arsenal put down there's no way in hell leicester are matching that number there's no way in hell they're coming close to touching that number because you know what leicester are not touching european football (laughs) next year they're just not doing it they're gonna finish like seventh or eighth that's a lot of broadcast revenue just down the drain that they're not gonna get so trust me leicester do not have the money um anyways uh now that we've got the uh, Outrageous just takes out the way Mongora. <laughs> no, I don't know where else you think Dybala can go, but yeah, definitely not Leicester.
2: I think that's enough Dybala at Leicester. I think the more we talk about Dybala, next thing we hear him end up at uh, Derby County. They're playing under Wayne Rooney. So I think let's move on here. We do have quite a quite a list here. We have the Mr. Controversial here, uh, Mr. Paul Labiel-Upogba. His contract is up, Rayola is licking his lips. Uh he's gonna he's gonna be getting a nice paycheck very soon. A nice signing on fee there for the boy Pogba. Uh where do the gentlemen think that our young man well he's not young anymore, but where Pogba might end up?
0: Labile. Labile is going to Juventus. He's going back home. I think I think that's I think that's that's where, you know, he found his best form and I think he'll probably want that back. And I think the Italian league is just up to his speed. So, my personal opinion, I think that's where he is he's ending up. He's going back to Italy. I don't see where I don't know where else he could go. Yo, Real Madrid, man.
1: Real Madrid, Real Madrid have been planning this this summer for years. they they have been waiting. They've been licking their lips ever since Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo left. They have been waiting patiently putting everything in place because guess what this summer bails contractors up that's half a million in wages just free all of a sudden this summer is the summer they get Mbappe. This summer is the summer they sign two free agents. This is the summer. This is this is the perfect Real Madrid summer. This is the summer Florentino Perez has been dreaming of. Okay, this is it. So there is no way Pogba's going anywhere else but Real Madrid. It's the perfect destination. It's him. It's Modric, it's Kamavinga. it's Cruz. You know, it's it's all this rotation in the midfield, but Pogba's the star. It's Mbappe up front or next to Benzema. This is the team they've been waiting for. This is it, Muta. There's no else. Juventus? I mean, they couldn't agree or deal with DiBala. They couldn't, you know, they they didn't want to offer him more money. It, the the talks broke down, right? So if you can't pay DiBala, how are you gonna pay Pogba? You know, he was the highest paid player in England a few years ago. You know, until Man United made another horrendous mistake. But he was he was the guy. So I I don't see anywhere else. You know, it's it's real. It has to be real.
0: You know, that's that's a convincing argument. I think that that French connection, Mbappe, you know, being up front, Labile up there. I don't know. I just I, I, I feel like I feel like Spain is a bit too fast for the for the for the boy Pogba. I don't know if he has. I, I don't know for some reason. Just don't see him. But he likes the skills. So maybe it'll be perfect. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I suppose it's Madrid. I, I'll be convinced.
1: And uh, moving on to our next player. Frank Cassie, AC Milan, I believe he's uh, 24, 25 years old. Um, huge talent. Personally, I don't know where he's going to go. I'd love to see him at Arsenal, but that's just me. I, I'd, I'd love to see a lot of people at Arsenal. Um, I think Frank Cassie, if these guys have uh, their thinking caps on right, Man United or Chelsea should be looking at Frank Cassie, should be monitoring. Frank Kessie every day. Seriously, Chelsea, if Chelsea gets Frank Kessie, that's that's the Premier League done. You know, cause you solve your Jorginho problem. It's Jorginho, it's Kessie, it's Kovacic. I don't I don't see who's messing with that rotation. I mean, seriously, that's the best rotation in the league, in my opinion. Um, if Man United get him, Frank Kessie easily replaces Pogba. Plus, he defends more. He doesn't get dumb red cards. He doesn't not track back. He doesn't get weird haircuts and then his performance dips the next, <laughs> the following week. It's Frank Cassie. He's reliable. Okay, I think it's Manu or Chelsea. I don't know what you guys think. We'll start with uh, my brother Mangoro.
2: Uh sorry to burst your bubble there, Mister Masanga, but he's not heading to Chelsea. Chelsea are looking at other players currently. Uh there's a boy out at Monaco, Aurelien Humameni and Jules Kunde both under the same agent so we might get a buy one get one free deal there uh i think for frank Cassie, uh i think from what i've been reading what's been confirmed by the mr reliable mr transfer window himself mr here we go mr fabrizio romano uh he's been talking up uh frank Cassie. i think it's pretty much a done deal he's going to spotify barcelona so i think that's Pretty much where you'll be headed. Uh, I don't know if it's a good move. I think it's just stifling kids like Ricky Pooch, Gavi, Nico, uh, Pedri. Maybe they're going to get rid of Busquets. I think it's time. It's been time for like five years now. I think now they're going to wake up and smell the coffee.
0: I mean, I don't know if Frank Kissy too much, but you know what? I think I think United need all the, the fire they can get. So if United do the right things and they get him, I think that'll be good, especially if they lose Pogba and they can't keep hanging on to Fred. And McTominay's boots—they—they they, they gotta do something. So if they can get a world-class player, you know, to do some defensive work, I will—I will take that. Um, but for me, two quick plugs. I just Isco is there on the free market this summer. I just—I just want Isco at Tottenham. For me, that—that'll make my life. I just want to see. I know the brothers don't don't appreciate Isco like that, but I do. I think I think Isco has something, and I think if he came to Tottenham, even for a season, he'll show you guys flames. So I. You know, we might even win the league if Isco comes around. So, <laughs> you know, you, you never know, man. You never know. And our man I think Lingard should just go back to West Ham. I think he should leave United, go to West Ham, go go, go there, play with Rice. I think that's 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 what he needs. Um, and I think it'll be good for his career. I think he should have just stayed when he could have. But hopefully he makes it back to West Ham. I know Moyes would take him back with open arms. But the list is long, fellas. Of these uh, summer twenty twenty two signings, and maybe we can pick up the other half next week and see, you know, if there's any other interesting news or any interesting movements. But listener, certainly let us know. Uh, we'll, we'll, pro- we'll drop a chat. We'll drop a link there uh, when you listen to the podcast for us to tell you know tell us who you think should end up where, uh, or if you have any opinions based on the hot takes that we provided today. So we'll certainly provide that opportunity. But with that said, it is time to say goodbye. Do not cry. It is okay be merry when you're out there brothers any uh last words of saying goodbye to our lovely listeners
2: oh yes Uh, i'd like to say goodbye to our our lovely viewers out there and all the listeners uh global listeners uh as as always uh always plugging different leagues this week uh syria i'm plugging that league uh, tune in. Uh, it's available on Paramount Plus and CBS. Uh, just for five dollars a month, five ninety nine a month, and you can watch Champions League as well. So, watch some of Serie A. I was watching Roma versus Lazio this past weekend. Very, very interesting game. So, yeah, Serie A. Have a great week. I think this is the second
1: time Mongro has plugged Paramount Plus. I I really hope I can reach out to them and uh, we can get an ad or we can get like some sponsorship for the pod. I think that'd be, that'd be ideal. Um, but my final word is, um, I don't know, Dubala. please, please. I'm, I'm begging, I'm begging you here. Um, with my hands and knees, I'm praying. All right, come to Arsenal, you know, we're going to be in the top four. We're going to be in the Champions League, all right? You're not missing much, all right? You're not winning the league this year. You're not winning the Champions League. All these other teams you're going to go to, you know, say Barcelona. Barcelona, what, what do they have? A couple of young kids. Xavi. What does he know? He got lucky this past weekend. Real Madrid didn't show up. So what? They ain't good enough. They're playing our reject. Obama Young. He's finished. Come on, bro. Let's get serious. Real Madrid, they don't want you. They have Benz. They're getting Bappe. Come on, bro. Let's get serious. PSG, really? You, Neymar, Messi? Come on, bro. Arsenal is the place to be. We have got Arteta. We have got Odegaard. We've got Saka. The man, the myth, the boy wonder, Saka, come through to Arsenal. These young players will take you places that you mm. never believed you could go.
0: <laughs> well, Paulo, I hope you've heard the man. He's there down on his knees and I've never seen Penny down on his knees. So this must be serious. So dibs, definitely please come through. And with that, lovely listeners, if you can tweet, tweet out to Tibala and tell them there's a man out here who's really, who's really hoping that you come to Arsenal and save them. So by all means, do do so. But thank you so much, listener, and we will see you next week. Peace out.